I have to take care of myself first. I can't keep compromising my own mental health, my own peace, just to make other people happy. Beyond Ourselves is a podcast where I, Taylor Camille, share stories by those living a life fully and beyond any stigma or perceived limitations a health condition may have on their day-to-day lives. For season one of this series, we are highlighting women of color, and more often, Black women, whose health needs are frequently looked over and stories seldom shared. Today we're speaking with Priscilla Adjaman. I stumbled into her safe space for women of color to discuss mental health one day in a Instagram tear, I guess you can call it. Her page just seems so authentic, not to mention aesthetically beautiful, but it also was having a conversation, one that I don't see often. Priscilla herself, which she'll discuss, has experienced high functioning anxiety. Her version of this isn't quite diagnosable, but she's gone to therapy and it's helped her identify some of the symptoms that she deals with. When I think about when I was first introduced to mental health, My mom gave me a lot of grace growing up. If school ever seemed to be a little too much, I didn't have to fake sick. She was just like, let's take a mental health day. What do you want to do? And it wasn't every day. Sometimes you're not ready for the day, but you just have to face it. But mental health is extremely important and you have to put yourself first. Women like Priscilla give me hope that we can have these conversations more often. And she's creating a space for people to feel more comfortable doing that. As we talk about, she's not an expert, but she does tap into a lot of things that are happening in real time, whether it be the death of celebrities like Kobe Bryant, the constant killing of Black people every summer. There's ways that we've been taught not to deal with the traumatic events in our life, and we often attempt to sweep them under the rug, but they deserve space. And I think the space that she's created is really important in helping us explore these topics more fully. If you're listening in May, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I know here in the States, and I think there's a week in May where the UK observes it as well. I really enjoyed my conversation with Priscilla, and I hope you will too. Hi, my name is Priscilla Adjiman. I am a mental health activist and digital content creator, and I am the founder of Sadie Baddies which is a virtual safe space for women of color to um, come together and destigmatize mental health and initiate collective healing because the conversation starts with us when it comes to mental health awareness and having the information, the resources, and the tools to initiate our own healing is how we can end the generational trauma of not wanting to talk about mental health or pretending that things are okay when they're not. So the whole goal of Sadie Baddies is to really take mental health and break it down into bite-sized pieces so that people are comfortable learning about it. And, you know, hopefully it sparks an interest. These are all just kind of primers for people to go ahead and start learning more about mental health to see how large of an umbrella mental health actually is. Because it's more than just um, a diagnosis. It's it's really about a lifestyle. Yeah, that's perfect because, <clears throat> well, two things come to mind. One, I wanted to know where the name Sadie Baddies came from. Oh, sure. I kind of always had referred to myself as a Sadie Baddie internally. And I just remember like 
being on Tumblr, like early 2015, 16, you know, Tumblr days. And I just remember seeing people talk about mental health. There were people that were really open about like depression and anxiety, and they just didn't seem like people that would talk about those things. There'd be girls or guys that you could kind of tell they were very popular, they were attractive, but they were talking about really like kind of dark stuff. And I was like, wow, well, you know, you can be a baddie, but you can also be sad. That term kind of stuck with me because I'm like, well, I know there's other saddy baddies out there. And then when I actually created saddy baddies, the day I created it, I had seen a meme on Twitter (laughs) and it said, for all my girls struggling with seasonal depression, the end is near, March is around the corner, spring is coming, like hang in there. (laughs) <laughs> and it had like a picture of like a Tiffany Pollard from, you know, Miss New York. Flavor of love. <laughs> yeah. So I had a picture of her like crying and it was supposed to be funny, but I actually like sat down and thought about it. I was like, wait, so many of us are looking forward to the spring. And this was last year, like before Corona, obviously. So the spring felt different, but mm-hmm. you know, like we are looking forward to brighter days. We all are looking forward to being outside and having vitamin D and sunshine and all those things. And I just thought about, the term sadie baddies and I was like well yeah I'm going to run with this and this is going to be a place where we actually expand on mental health not just make memes about it yeah that's important I know because it's like it's one thing to post something about it but it's another thing to have an active conversation and resources and not resolutions but just ways to navigate what you're feeling Yeah. The other thing that you touched on was the umbrella of mental health and just how all-encompassing it can be. And even in developing the idea of this episode, I was having a hard time distilling the topic into something tangible. It's Mm. such a broad term, but how would you describe it? I would say mental health is the foundation for our well-being. You know, if it's, it's literally, you can I think studies have shown, we've seen from people's real life experience, celebrities, you can be optimally healthy, quote unquote, you know, you can have good health, you can be financially stable, you can have a lot of friends, but if you're mentally unhealthy or you're mentally unstable, it will debilitate your life. Actually, there is a study done by the CDC that shows that depression can take as many years off your life as a lot of other chronic diseases we don't really think about depression as like a disease or something like that because it's a mental health issue, but mental health is literally the foundation for the rest of our, our livelihood. So yeah, yeah, it's extremely important. Yeah. And how did people respond when you first started doing this work? I think it's been, has it been about a year or? It's been a year and what are we in May now? So it's literally been a year and two months, which is crazy. And it's, (laughs) literally just like blown up over time. Like I never thought it was going to have the community that it has today. Like we have, I think we literally just hit like 2.5 K yesterday or the day before Mm -hmm. something like that. And to think like, wow, over 2000 people actually are engaged in this conversation and want to learn more about mental health and are actively engaged in having the tools to figure out, okay, now I know about this mental health topic. How can I apply it to my everyday life? How can I share it with my friends, my family? It's really, I really have like no words, but just gratitude for the people that have built Sadie Betty's because I cannot 
discredit myself. There's so many people who have been extremely supportive, whether it's friends or family or people I don't even know. I mean, Sadie Baddies is like literally taking off and just flying away with (laughs) the amount of growth and support it's had over the past year. So it makes me very excited for the future. Where do you draw inspiration from when you're curating topics to talk about or imagery to share? So I actually have a really long list of topics. When I started Sadie Baddies, it felt like a spark. It felt like I had a flame, like I was literally lighting a match. And the minute I did it, I couldn't stop. I was like, I have to do this. And it was just something that came so naturally to me. I draw inspiration from real life. So I cover topics that I've actually gone through myself, uh, specifically topics about anxiety and depression and stress-related issues. But then I also cover topics that I've learned about in graduate school. I got my master's in public health last year, and I took a couple really, well, I took a lot of (laughs) really important classes, but there were a couple classes that really stuck out to me. And one of them was focused on the life cycle of violence. And in that class, we learned about intimate partner violence and what it actually is. It's not just domestic violence as, you know, we normally think of it as. It isn't a whole umbrella of violence that happens between partners and Mm -hmm. or people that live in the same household. We covered topics like sexual trauma and sexual uh, assault on college campuses. And I was like, this is super important because mental health is completely connected to intimate partner violence. You know, if you're in an abusive relationship, that is 100% going to affect you mentally, you know? So yeah, I, I draw inspiration from, I guess you can say my educational background, my personal experience, also friends. And, you know, I've had friends that thankfully we have always had a pretty candid conversation about mental health. So, you know, through conversations of like, hey girl, can you talk about this? Or can you, can you kind of, you know, do a topic on this? And I, I would say just also conversations. I take the social climate into consideration. When Kobe died earlier this year, which is crazy because it feels like it was month, like almost a year ago already, but it literally was in February, right. like January, February. January. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So when Kobe passed, I realized I hadn't covered the topic of grief. And so Mm. when he passed as a culture, as a nation, globally, we all stopped and mourned for this man and and his daughter and the other seven passengers that passed away in that tragic accident. So I, I, I try to be mindful of the social climate we're in. Unfortunately, as people of color, specifically Black people, we are constantly mourning. And I realize like a lot of us don't know how to unpack grief. We blame ourselves if we're not at peace with losing someone that we care about when it's actually a really long process to begin with. Even not knowing him, it's right. confusing to be like, why do I feel this way? But- right. Yeah, exactly. And because he was so representative of our culture and the strides that he made in his athletic career and later on in life, his philanthropic efforts, I think people were just like, damn, like we lost an icon. With the recent killings of Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor, that post was getting shared a lot again recently. During this pandemic, people have been sharing that a lot too, because we're, we're losing so many loved ones. So- right. 
grief is it's constant it's a part of life so I mean I'm grateful that people are able to find some type of solace with those words and understand that it's okay not to be okay yeah it's interesting in times like this when so many tragedies are happening at the same time it's been nice to have social media to just gut check and to see other people feeling their feelings or talking about their feelings yeah I just feel like the preservation of our mental health, not just when it's a mental health awareness month, it's so important. I mean, you've talked about your high functioning anxiety in different posts. How did you kind of navigate that journey? I think with my experience with high functioning anxiety, and I I make a point to say my experience with it rather than my high functioning anxiety, because I try to differentiate my experience with it versus it being part of my personality or anything like that, because Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be something that feels like I don't have autonomy to learn how to heal or learn how to deal with it in a healthy way, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. I would say it really started back in probably high school, honestly, but it got worse in college. I was a biology major. And if anyone is a STEM major or has like studied a STEM you probably understand how stressful it is. The amount of information that's thrown at you and regurgitated is very stressful. And mm-hmm. the capacity of how you're supposed to just like learn this information, take an exam, take the next exam. I didn't know how to take care of myself like mentally. I was like, what is that? You know, I'm just going to pull this all night or I'm going to drink this five hour energy that's going to make me crash. I didn't know that those things were not conducive to my mental health. I had more than one anxiety attack, all of the result of like my academics. And then I realized I was also really struggling with imposter syndrome because in my biology classes, there was maybe four or five black kids in my class, black students. Mm -hmm. And I just felt really out of place. You know, I just was like, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be in this class or I don't belong here. It's too hard. And then I was dealing with being away from home and I had moved from New Jersey to New York City, which doesn't seem like a big cultural shift. But going from the suburbs to any city is a culture shift. So I was dealing with a lot. Throughout college, I realized like I would get so anxious and I didn't even know what it was, but just my stomach would always be churning every time I had to do something stressful. Usually it was related to academics, but it was really bad. Like my skin was breaking out. I was losing weight. And then it wasn't until grad school that I realized, okay, maybe I should talk to someone. Maybe I should see a therapist because this isn't going away. It's actually getting worse. When I started going to therapy and it really changed my life because for the first time I was able to kind of just be completely vulnerable and just get feedback and start examining the way that I think. When you start reading more about your mental health, it gives you a sense of relief because you realize you're not the only one dealing with this. There's other people that are dealing with this and there are ways to manage it. I did learn that I had symptoms of anxiety. It could be a therapist or a psychologist or psychiatrist saying, hmm, well, you know, you don't have, maybe you don't have panic attacks as much as like someone I would diagnose with generalized anxiety disorder, GAD, but you do have a lot of symptoms of anxiety, you know? So... That's been my journey with um, anxiety. And now it's like, I've learned so much throughout the years. And I wish I could like go back in time and give my 19 or 20 year old self a big hug. 
and be like, girl, it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you get a C minus on your bio exam, you will be fine. I used to be so fatalistic and think like, oh my God, I failed my exam. I'm not going to do anything in life. It's just so fatalistic. And now I'm just, I laugh because it couldn't be farther from the truth. Right. And then you, I at least yearn for those times back where like, this was my biggest problem. Like this was my biggest stress. It's just perspective. (laughs) Exactly. Perspective. But was there a time ever that you were not sure if you wanted to do therapy or were you embracing of it like from jump or did you kind of put it off for a while? Mm. So there would be moments, I think anyone who's gone to therapy long-term and by long-term, I mean like for over a year, Everyone has a moment where they're like, I'm good. I don't need therapy. (laughs) And then you come back to your therapist. You're like, can I have an appointment for this day? Because then you realize like, ooh, maybe I should go back to therapy. I think of therapy as like a friend that's always there for you, no matter what. No matter Mm -hmm. how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you kind of steer wrong, like therapy is always something that you can go back to. That's why it's such a great resource. So I was open to therapy because I had always like, heard about it and I knew a couple people that had gone before but I have taken breaks from going to therapy I would say maybe six months at a time you know where I wasn't going to therapy and I was fine it just I didn't want to turn my friends or my loved ones into my therapist so I was like I would rather actually just go back to therapy I know that's a space that's objective and it's a space created for me to voice out all my concerns. I feel like it's so funny watching this next generation come up and Mm -hmm. they're almost more open about talking about therapy. Did Mm -hmm. you ever feel some type of way, like not trying to share with friends? Like I started therapy. I think sometimes even when I talk to my own mother, she's like, oh, you're talking to your therapist. Okay. (laughs) Like it's it's a secret. (laughs) Like it's a secret. You know, I need it. I would say, I mean, I was not reluctant to share with my friends about therapy because I knew they'd be understanding. I think it's actually, I'm actually happy that people are more open about it and, you know, we'll talk about like, oh, my therapist told me this and, or, you know what I mean? Like, I I actually love that there's more of a dialogue about therapy and it's becoming less and less like stigmatized now everyone's like where can I find a black therapist I see that question a lot so I'm like okay this is good people are talking about this more yeah I think for me the only thing I struggled with was perfectionism and I didn't want to seem like I had issues so it wasn't something I would talk about openly like on Instagram or something like that I was definitely not about to share that with random people and that's low-key why I created Sadie Baddies because I was like wait I need to no like I I need to share the ins and outs of mental health and not that I'm an expert or a therapist or a counselor but I am someone that has realized like how talking about mental health out loud has opened up so much space for healing yeah Um, and I think it's nice because it's an approachable platform and I think there's a benefit in you not being an expert because it's like your friend and so you do feel like okay I don't have to feel bad about this like my friend will just let me vent and then I can feel a little bit of release like I don't have to feel like I'm gonna get a diagnosis that I don't want to hear like all Mm -hmm. the all the buildup that comes with 
Yeah. You know, but you're credible in the fact that you've studied this and you're on your journey on your own. And that speaks volumes in itself. Thank you. And I think my biggest thing is how do we, and I don't know if you have the answer, but it's just something I think about often is how do we educate and get this access to mental health resources to women of color in particular? Even on your website, you provide like, here's a list of things that you can look into, but it's just, it is, therapy is so inaccessible. I wouldn't have a therapist if my my friend didn't help me. Like I was mm-hmm. so down and out. I was like, I don't even want to look. I'm just going to yeah. deal with this. Yeah. I'm going to like right but I don't even want to look <laughs> like I'm fine yeah. it's, it's hard so I mean what do you think about that I mean it's hard like you said it, it therapy is inaccessible I think a part of a huge reason why I even was able to go to therapy was because of the setting I was in I was in graduate school and I was mm. getting my master's in public health and they offered free counseling for graduate students and PhD students because yeah, like we need it. (laughs) So I I felt lucky that I was getting free counseling basically. And now through my job, same thing. It's tied into the structure of America where employment equals health insurance. And I don't think that in order to have health insurance that you should have to be employed and vice versa. Right. It's not fair. I know that there are more apps that have been helping people to reach out to therapists. There's also a website called Open Path Collective and their Instagram is Open Path Psychotherapy. So they have lower fee therapy. And Mm -hmm. from my understanding, the sessions are between 30 and $60, which is for therapy is pretty affordable, judging by like the fact that most therapy sessions can go upwards of $200 an hour. And then there are therapists that have sliding scales. So it just takes a lot of digging. And part of like the digging and the research is exhausting. And imagine having a crisis and then having to dig and find someone to talk to. Thankfully, there's been more text lines and hotlines such as the crisis text line and you can just text home to 741741 if you're in the U.S. and someone will respond right away so in in those in those events it's it's great that you know we have those but that's not sustainable we need mental health to be as accessible as going to a liquor store or buying groceries I tried my best to accumulate resources on the Saddie Baddies website There are some low costs and free resources um, available. It does take time to kind of weed through it and see what's appropriate for you. But I really wish it was easier to just find a therapist and have it to be accessible and affordable. What are some of your coping mechanisms? Oh, I have so many. I would say (laughs) definitely journaling. I've been journaling since I was in first grade, second grade. And it went from my, you know, my journal entries, (laughs) one of my first, and my mom and I still laugh about this, is like me, like, dear diary, my mom won't let me go to limited two. And like, it's just, it's so funny because I'm literally like probably seven years old and like complaining about the silliest things. And now my journal entries are like, what is life? What is the meaning of life? So I've literally seen myself transition from a child to an adult through <laughs> writing, my own writing, and I think documenting my healing process too. Like my journals from three years ago are so different than than they are today. Writing gratitude lists, whether out loud or writing them down, has been a great coping skill for me. I think also doing guided meditations. 
on on Spotify has a whole bunch of like guided meditation playlists. You just got to find the right ones that make sense for you, but Mm -hmm. I find them really helpful. Coping skills will always kind of be catered to what you need in the moment. And I think just being open-minded about what coping skills work best for you, like coping when you're going through a depressive episode might look different than when, you know, maybe things are a little bit better for you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't still have those coping skills. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So adjusting, adjusting to the current of, of what you need, it can look different at different times. Yeah. How are you preserving your mental health during this time? Virtual therapy sessions have been great. To be honest, I, I'm still kind of struggling with setting a routine for myself Mm -hmm. because I'm someone that really goes off of feelings. And I also know that there's some days where I'm not going to be as motivated as other days. I'm learning that it's okay, especially during this time, it's okay to not be super productive. I'm learning that rest is important. I'm learning that going outside for fresh air is important. Just like be outside and see the trees and all the things we take for granted, taking my vitamins, trying to find hobbies that are not necessarily like side hustle related, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I'm like collecting plants. So I'm like low key building a garden in my apartment now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've just been trying to stay grounded throughout yeah. this. And I think it's, it's going to be a learning process for us because we're all, we're still getting adjusted to it. So I think maybe the things I'm doing now are helping, but in three months, I might need to shift and try some other things. With this pandemic, I feel like if you can manage to be productive, as in create things or or cross things off your to-do list, whatever the case is, that's great. But do not shame people who cannot do that at this moment. Like I've, I've seen things on social media about like, oh, if you don't come out of this with a new skill or new side hustle, you didn't lack time, you lack discipline. I was like, whoa, that could not be farther from the truth. This is not a competition of productivity. We're in a pandemic. People are dying. People are losing their lives. Our healthcare system is falling apart before our eyes, literally. So, I mean, I think people just need to really just be mindful. Like, again, we are in a global pandemic. We're all trying to survive and be mindful of how difficult it is to deal with this right now. So, Please be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with other people. If you're able to create a masterpiece out of this, great. If not, that's fine. That doesn't mean you you lack discipline. It means you were trying to literally stay alive and do what's best for your mental health. Yeah, I think it's important. There's this whole idea of Black excellence. And we as a people have gone through so many traumatic things that we are just expected not to either react to them or feel them. Like we just need to plow on. Like our ancestors have been through worse. Mm -hmm. We can handle it. And it's like, that is no comparison. (laughs) That is an absolute no comparison. And we deserve grace and we deserve time to just be. Especially as Black women, we deserve softness. We deserve quietness. We deserve rest. Yeah. It's really crazy to think about sometimes, but like we have to remember as Black women, we collectively experience so much trauma. It is okay to rest. It is okay to be soft. It is okay to not be the superhero all the time. Yeah. And we deserve, my hope is that we start to find sisterhood 
in each other. We start to find support in each other and we give ourselves, we create our own safe spaces, mm-hmm. whether it's in our homes or, you know, whatever the case is. You have to create your own sanctuary. Yeah, but it's nice to have each other virtually for now. And I don't know, hope and pray. Yeah, I would also say, though, I don't know if other people are are experiencing this. I think people probably are, but I also experience screen time exhaustion. Like there's days I don't want to talk through a screen anymore or like Zoom and FaceTime and all this. It's like I'm so happy we have those tools. But at the same time, doing back to back Zoom calls or back to back FaceTime calls is exhausting. And I read somewhere that it's not that we are exhausted of like Zoom or FaceTime, it's we're tired of forcing digital intimacy. And I was like, wow, that's Mm -hmm. a really great way to think of it because it's true. It's not that we don't want to talk to our loved ones or we don't want to like FaceTime our friends all day. It's it's just kind of exhausting, like emotionally to kind of just realize like, damn, I can't talk to this person face to face or I probably won't be able to see this person for a while. So this is it for now. Seriously, my friend and I were having that conversation recently too just you know some friends who you don't even talk to that often on a normal basis want to do a weekly or something and you're like this is exhausting like I love you and I'm I checked in on you this month so I know you're good this month and like maybe let's try again (laughs) next month if we feel we need it but the other thing that I think is interesting is that we talked about maybe it's the fact that and I want to look into this but maybe it's the fact that you have to look at yourself in some of those things so like on zoom and facetime like you're looking at the image of yourself and we never that's not normal to our day-to-day interactions like you're not hyper focused on how you're presenting and maybe that is also some sort of drain on our mental of like trying to like hold a smile on a zoom with like 10 other people or you know just like being hyper aware of your appearance wow that's such a good point and also for us Especially for us black girls, a lot of us are struggling right now because we can't go to the hair salon, we don't have our nails done, we can't get a wax or what all, all the things that like, I know beauty seems frivolous, but to me, beauty is truly, it's an act of like self-preservation. And yeah. I'm a big component of that. Our relationship with our hair is already so complicated and complex. It's like a love-hate relationship a lot of times. And now mm-hmm. we are stripped away of, of one place that for so many of us is like, okay, this is our safe space. You know, walking into a beauty supply store, you don't judge the girl next to you that has a head wrap on and no makeup because you probably have a head wrap on and no makeup because you're about to go mm-hmm. do your own box braid. So yeah. <laughs> like, it just, it hurts. I miss, if you I know miss. how. Yeah. <laughs> I did my own, I did my own like faux locks for the first time. And I was like, wow, I feel like superwoman. Like, I don't. <laughs> You're like, I did that. Yeah. But I, you know, I do miss, like, I do miss those luxuries, I guess you can say. Yeah, definitely. I know. I have to, like, give myself a whole pep talk. Like, okay, wash your hair, twist it. Yeah. Like, even though I'm not going anywhere, like, you will feel better after you do yeah, this. Because... Absolutely. You really do. Yeah. Are there any quotes or phrases you often lean into? Oh, for sure. Well, let me think of a few. Yeah. Do nothing without intention, for sure, which is in the interlude of Solange's uh, album, When I Get Home. That that was a big inspiration for Sadie Baddies, Do Nothing Without Intention, because 
my intention, I set an intention for, for starting it. And I think that's, I think honestly, that's a big reason why it's blossomed so much so quickly is because my intention for it was to connect with other people of color and offer tools Mm -hmm. um, and resources and initiate collective healing. That's literally, I guess you can say the thesis statement of Sadie Daddies. I have so many quotes and now I'm blanking on like all of them. This is not necessarily a quote, but an understanding that you can't pour from an empty vessel. Mm -hmm. That's something that's really, really important to me because as someone that struggled with people pleasing for a a while, people pleasing, as you know, is just the tendency to put others needs before your own in a way that becomes self-sabotaging. So I dealt with that for a while and I realized like I can't pour from an empty vessel. I have to take care of myself first. I can't keep compromising my own mental health, my own peace, et cetera, just to make other people happy. So those two quotes or mantras have really helped shape my outlook and shape the way I go about actively living out my my mental health awareness. So what has brought you peace when, you know, everything is at an all-time high and when you're stuck at home because of COVID or any of these things, what brings you peace? Gratitude, expressing gratitude on a daily basis, gratitude of the home that I, you know, still live in, the food that I get to still eat, gratitude that all my loved ones are healthy and safe, gratitude that I can still support myself. That gives me peace first and foremost. Also being even more committed to the work with Sadie Baddies has given me a sense of peace and purpose. This is my passion. This is something that I spend so much time on and I really try to nourish and cultivate this safe space for women of color and people of color and queer people of color. And then also on a regular basis, making time to meditate, making time to stretch and move around, making time to acknowledge the slower moments, that's been giving me a good sense of peace too. Beyond Ourselves is an original series produced and hosted by me, Taylor Camille. A variety of the series artwork shared here and on our Instagram, at Beyond Ourselves, are created by Carmen Johns and Sierra Hood. My hope is that these listenings have left you with a warm heart and an even cooler mind. I hope you are left feeling able to seek peace in the spaces and places you may find yourself in. If you're interested in being on the pod or have any compelling leads, please shoot us an email at info at And subscribe and share if you haven't already.